Have you ever got a bag of potato chips and like 70% of it's air? Oh my God. That is, that absolutely sucks. Absolutely yeah. 100% well, sucks. You know what doesn't suck? Decon can suck less. Oh, and you know what even doesn't suck less than that is if you what? use your decon, if you take your decon from first line technologies, hybrid decon, where they are revolutionizing the decon process with their bar method of blot, apply, remove and use some wet and dry decon in the process. Think about it. No more rigging, no more decon, no more hoses, no more three pool circus. You can stuff this thing into a little baggie and throw it right in the back of your Corolla. Yes, yeah, so do your own recon. Go to makedeconsuckless.com or visit them at firstlinetech.com where First Line Technologies is making decon suck just that little bit less. And they're doing it through great training, which they have some classes coming up, just so everybody knows. Check their website, but we also have some great training. And we got classes, a lot of classes coming up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah people, so people might ask, Bob, they're going to be like, well, okay, why you two idiots? Because we're delivering some experience and not just the plain, boring training. When we come, we're bringing you fresh, polished, brand new, freshly looked at stuff. Not the stuff that was made three years ago and just keep, we just keep pumping it out regardless of changes. Yeah, you're listening to this the day after Thanksgiving is when this, this airs. And we literally just got a third company to partner with us to bring you the best props, technologies, and devices available in the classroom. We will absolutely guarantee that our instructors, except for one, will keep you absolutely engaged uh, and we will be your best partner in the field. Yeah, so choose us as your training partner and embark on a personal and professional growth journey. Contact us by going to thehazmatguys.com slash hire us and reserve your spot because that calendar is filling up really fast. Yeah, January's out. Welcome back to another episode of the Hazard Guys, episode 420. Uh, all the um, marijuana heads out there are celebrating, and we oh. are, we've hit the finish line. I wish I would have realized it. I would have, we could have had some gummies before this. This could have been episode 420. <laughs> this should have been a drug episode. Oh my oh. God, what was I thinking? You left it on oh. the table. We had 419 episodes to prepare for this, and we yep. let it go by the wayside. Well, there's nothing saying we can't make it 420.1.2.3. We can <sighs> just keep this going. Even if I dropped some gummies now, it wouldn't kick until the end of the episode. I am sorry, people Bad. out there. That's okay. That's we've right. got we've got something that is much more pressing. Um, we are returning to the world of scaring the bejesus out of you with terrorism. Yeah, Woo-woo. with everything that's been going on in the in the world today, we wanted to revisit the idea. Now, this was something that you know, as 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 babies in the the fire world, you know, me and Bob came up with the whole. Not we didn't come up with, but we came up in the culture where terrorism was a huge deal, and we really did think that we were going to be going to lots of stuff all the time like that was kind of how it was ingrained in us so we've got some things from the past that we want to talk about we also want to understand how terrorism has changed over the past 20 to 25 years and we're going to talk about that this is definitely going to be a multi-part series we can't wait to jump into it but first things we need to mention yes so um guys i want to let you know we have some awesome news uh we have two new shows coming out 
One is going to be periodical and one is going to be regular. So get to marking your check. Pull out the pencils and write this stuff down. December 13th of 2023 at 1930 hours Eastern Standard Time, we are going to be having our long-awaited Battery Destroyers Club show, which if you remember, we mentioned we in September combined up with a whole bunch of big partners and we went and blew up tons of batteries. We put the rubber to the road. We heard your messaging about, I heard you could do this or I heard it could do that. Well, we did it. And so we have tons of data on it. And we are going to basically have a reacts and watch party. We'll show you the videos. It's going to be live comments. We are bringing Red Wave, Telops, Fleer, Teldyne, Blackline, Cellblock. All these reps are going to be on this thing. And we're going to be watching the videos and talking about it. So if you have questions, come on to the Facebook and YouTube Put them in there, and we'll throw them at the experts, and we'll talk. This is There is no end time to this. We're done when we're done. Right, and just so everybody's aware, with all these different companies that are in with us, we, everybody is on the same page. There was no agenda. There was nope. no this. This we aren't. Nobody's using this stuff for marketing. This was literally let's answer questions and let's see what we can do with, with what we have. Uh, so it's going to be a great time. Now beyond that, it is uh, it, it is definitely uh, safe to say that we are starting to. Um, lose some of the people that have created the hazmat world just through you know natural age life yeah life <laughs> uh they're coming to the end of their of their of their natural life expectancy and one of the things that we don't want to lose and we are losing very rapidly we've already lost too many of the founders of hazmat we want to start taking their stories their information their experiences and audio archiving it so that future generations can go back they can learn how things started, what what kind of uh, uh, problems they ran into, what kind of issues they ran into, how they overcame these issues. And so we're going to be debuting our After Action Report podcast, uh, and it's going to literally uh, be strictly on the field of hazmat. And we're going to be doing it live January 3rd, 2024 at 1930 hours Eastern Standard yep. Time. Yep. Our first guest is going to be uh, Mr. Mike Callen. Comments will be on, so you can go to Facebook or YouTube and comment, and uh, hopefully we'll get to your um, your questions. But this is going to be a fun show because there's going to be like a dueling piano type of operation. It's Trust me, you're going to kind of want to see how we did this when we reinvented uh, the whole show. It's going to be completely different than this. It'll be a lot of fun. So a lot to be said. And, uh, oh, conferences. Connecticut Fire Department instructors, Walmer, Northeast Hazmat, which is the Massachusetts, uh, formerly Massachusetts, OMRA, Michigan, Cold Zone, South Carolina Hazmat, New York State, and there's like seven or eight others that I haven't really finalized. So, yeah. Come and see us. Woohoo! Yeah. Oof. All right. So, All right, so let's dive let's into, into yeah, let's dive into today's stuff. Uh, you know, definitely, we've got really uh, two. Ooh, my collar's all messed up. You didn't tell me that, Bob. Uh, you look like a mess. I'm always a mess. I am, <laughs> but I did. I did. I cut my hair. I'm uh, looking less homeless. Look I know. Oh, thank you. I never get compliments from Bob. He's usually angrily yelling at me. All right, so we've got two. <laughs> 
We've got two goals uh, for for this podcast. I, we mentioned a little bit earlier. One, we want to kind of talk about the the things that we learned growing up in the in the the terrorism hazmat world, and we want to make sure that those lessons are never lost. Right? We want to apply them and make sure that you've got them today. And then we want to kind of take a look at 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 what the the new trends are. Um, so you know. It's uh, through normal human course of nature, we, we tend to lose out on some things that, that we start off. You know, I think there's that whole, um, what is it, uh, natural deviation? Um, yep. A normalization of deviation. Normalization of deviance. There we go. Uh, so it's important to go back and review some lessons. I love it. And the second part of what we're trying to do here is we were prepared for, uh, I'm going to say, really. Uh, Back in 2001 was like the tipping point, the early 2000s, definitely, right? And tactics was, have changed. Thought processes have changed. How we respond has changed. The tools that we have access to has changed. So it's important to look at this, uh, this topic through both lenses. Right. So what are some of the things that, that, that we learned, you know, way back when, way back when, geez, I can't even believe we can say way back when, uh, 2021, you know, shortly after 9-11, um, these are in no particular order. Uh, one of the first ones that came to our minds was secondary devices, right? So oh. what is a, a secondary device? It is something that uh, is set up strictly for the first responders, right? So an event happens, something draws us in, and then since we're there, another device goes off to try to injure us as first responders. And this was such a big deal that when you got into the hazmat rig, there was probably a label that was maybe six inches high and the letters were maybe two inches wide and it said secondary devices right on top just to always remember to be on the lookout for secondary devices as you're coming in i think everybody kind of understands those things like like the whole premise was like they would uh call in false reports and then wherever you park the rigs consistently they would put the secondary device there to get the responder so how do we keep an eye out for it you kind of got to keep a, a secure perimeter, right? First responders should establish a secure perimeter around the incident site to control access and minimize the risk of encountering a secondary device. This perimeter should be set up at a safe distance from the primary incident at area. If memory serves, I don't know if it went off. There was something that they, uh, in a dumpster. Oh, yeah. Because that... they kept calling in. Yes. Yeah, we actually, that's one of the case studies that we talk about in a little bit. That would be the, uh, the abortion clinic. That's it. Yes. Yes, the, the abortion clinic. So uh, another thing you can do is follow established protocols. Now, of course, this, you know, is subjected to that they're good protocols, right? We want to we wanna make sure that, that the protocols are good. But we also, if you have good protocols, you want to make sure that you're well-trained uh, in recognizing and responding to secondary devices. We want to make sure that we're following strict scene management. Uh, so if your protocols are good, don't deviate from the protocols, but make sure that those protocols allow for flexibility and response so we don't hit some of the other things that we're going to talk about later. I love it. Uh, situational awareness, which was a thing, uh, I'm going to say fire department started really tweaking on it, but I mean, hazmat, you, you have to be first responders should maintain a heightened situational awareness at all times. 
and I mean this like seriously, even in the firehouse or at the police station, when you're thinking we're down, we're cool, like things happen. So be alert to unusual sounds, sights, behaviors that may indicate uh, the presence of additional threat and communication among the team is essential for sharing observations and information using something like CAFCOM. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, when that episode comes out, guys, you have to listen to it. Yeah, we won't get into cool. it here. But no, that's a perfect example of, of using, uh, you know, equipment. And as long as we're talking about equipment, we might as well talk about personal protective equipment, right? There are, it is far too often nowadays that we respond on scene and we get off of the mundane stuff totally half-dressed, right? We're not fully prepared. We're not fully geared up. Again, that it lends into that natural, you know, that, that, um, God, I can't remember the name. Of Normalization deviance. of deviance. Why I can't remember mm-hmm. that for the life of me. Uh, you know, and we just this is what we, <laughs> we want to make sure <laughs> that we've got our regular stuff on. And in today's modern terrorism world, which we didn't have growing up, having to think think about things like ballistic vests, helmets, and other protective gear, not only for that secondary devices, but for active shooters, is something that has to be kept in mind. You know, I I think back to when we started doing this and like we only had like two suits. Maybe three. Yeah. And now like seriously, like I think we have like eight suits. Well, the amount of so when I got into Hazmat, there was multiple level A's. Those have combined down to one. One. Where, where now we just have the one suit. But we got a ton of other equipment you know we got radiation vests we got radiation blankets we got the 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 uh, active shooter kits which includes the flak jacket and the helmet so you know the our range of ppe has changed yeah Uh, that's a good point the range has changed and we've also gotten we've also got like some additional modern tools that we absolutely didn't have when we were growing up in the in the fire world and we, now we have – this was something that w- definitely wasn't around back then. And even like 10 years ago, it was so new, was remote tools. Like in today's world, you should use remote tools and equipment for tasks that involve potential risk because, you know, like using drones. All the cool kids are doing that. Um, all the cool kids are using, uh, you know, the um, – Oh, forgive me. I don't remember the, the actual model. But the Red Wave, um, it's kind of like the – Oh, the FTIR. Area ray kind of thing. The No, the, the red wave, uh, not the red wave, I'm sorry, black lines, um, metering where they all talk in like a mesh. Oh, yes. Drones, robots, you can do this and be employed to inspect suspicious packages without directly exposing first responders to potential danger. If you're not thinking about using remote stuff, it's a low entry point now financially. Yeah. And we want to be able to do things like implementing search techniques. One of the crazy, I thought this guy was absolutely nuts. He's one of Bob's favorite people, so I won't mention his name, and that's a total lie. Bob hates him. But when he was on resource, he would get out from every single run, uh, and he would walk up and down the block, and he would just look in all of the cars just to do like this primary search that nobody else on scene was doing just to kind of establish that whole secondary device type of a, a situation. I thought that was really cool. So, um, you know, think about implementing something like that where, you know, you have somebody coming out and just doing that big picture check of the scene. That's all well and good. But, you know, 
we were talking about Cavcom because Cavcom's the bee's knees. It really it's, is. I, I'm not joking. They are it, new. It's more than the bee's knees. It is one of the coolest communication devices <laughs> that are out there. They have this talk, the Talk Through Your Ear 5000. We just did an episode with them. It's a two-way accessory for in-suit communication. Dude, I am telling you, this thing is crazy lightweight, crazy compact, no batteries, and is powered by your radio, and it works with any respiratory or SCBA ensemble. We can personally attest for this because we used it yesterday. It is the clearest communication device on the market. It is insanely cool. So the Talk Through Your Ears 5000 keeps you the required components to a minimum. All you need is your radio, their oversized push-to-talk control unit, and the universal fit ear set. It is that simple. So go check them out on Cavcom's website and tell us what you think because the episode that we did with them will be dropping soon and you're going to have the proof in the pudding right there. Now, clearance. What's your clearance, right? clearance? And, Right, and I knew you were going with that way because <laughs> like, there are operations, and I remember one really... Uh, Vividly, we got off the rig and it was this suspicious uh, package right next to a firehouse way down in, in the southern tip of Manhattan. And um, there was only one guy that got off the back uh, with the backpack, which is a huge gamma scintillator. And he was the only guy to think about this. The cops weren't thinking about it. The Nobody was thinking about it. But he's like, you know, I should just go and walk down around the outside and just see if anything pops. Because what if it's a dirty bomb or whatever? Mm -hmm. So... Sometimes you got to get clearance by the bomb squad or explosive ordinance guys or whatever. Sometimes it's not for us to run in there. So getting clearance from the proper people that are giving that clearance is an important thing. Yeah. Or understanding that you can provide that level of we can't go right. in. Right. Right. You can say, no, I'm not giving clearance for other people to go in. You know, it's it's funny. There was a, I can so clearly remember one of one of the runs. Not everything we do is by all means perfect. And now there's things that we can talk about that we couldn't when we were both working. But there was a, a, a potential car bomb. Right. This guy had a laptop, wires, devices and two gas cans in the back seat of a vehicle. And it was parked right outside of a yeshiva school, which is a, you know, a, a, a Jewish school in the city. And the command post was set up next to the car. Like, I'm not even kidding you. It was next. Like, I was standing at the command post and I could see the device and the wires and all the stuff. And I, I remember so hard trying to get the command post to move and nobody would have any of it. So as much as you want to talk and train and say, oh, that doesn't make sense. I'm telling you in the moment things, they, they happen. Uh, and in that instance, I didn't communicate very effectively, even though I think I did, I still didn't get my point across. Uh, so if you have to talk to people of relevant authority, your chiefs, your officers, you have to get to the point that you're comfortable being like, there's something wrong here because I yep. promise you it's not the incident commander that's going to see the issue. It's it's going to be the guys on the ground that are going to relay information up. And sometimes you just if you know that something's not right, you have to have good communication and you absolutely have to push your way through. I like that. And and with that, sometimes we can't just handle it. Right. And you may have to evacuate. 
right? And, and we've said this multiple times. The difference between uh, evacuation shelter places duration of the event in very simple terms. Sometimes evacuation is necessary because it's not just a purely chemical thing. So let's say there's a credible threat for a secondary device or um, – or something else, right? So you may think, all right, because of the unknown, it's just simpler or safer to evacuate. And so the evacuation procedures should be well-coordinated and safe assembly points should be established. Um, if, you, if you're saying to yourself, we don't have anything like that, you kind of do if you figure out how to put up like an amber alert or a silver mm. alert. You know, that is, uh, you know, back in the day, we had to send out the army of cops to go knock on doors. But now everybody's cell phone goes off and says, hey, grandma's missing again. Right. Yeah, I know when a tornado use in Tennessee is going to touch down. Like, I, I should be right. able to use that information without a doubt. Uh, we have a saying in jiu-jitsu, drillers make killers. And that couldn't be closer to the truth if you drill and you train on something over and over and over again when it's time to actually execute a maneuver you can do it without thinking it is absolutely essential for first responders to be going through various scenarios uh, especially ones involving secondary devices like it's very easy to drill on a secondary device take any hands-on drill that you normally would do and just have somebody go i think we have a secondary device here and see what everybody does and how they act hmm. um it is it's something that we want to get a grain ingrained into us because if i hear secondary device i shouldn't have to wait to hear from my officer as to what we should do next we should already know what to do next so we can start doing it without that jumble communication and panic starting to set in and i would say also to stay informed and, and how about this current and informed because if you are if you're thinking i already got this man i i've i've done this stuff and you're not seeing you're not reading publications you're not i hate to say it, but like social media there's actually some decent articles on there um cbrne uh magazine's a great one but stay informed about the latest tactics techniques and procedures related to the identification and handling of secondary devices talk to people continuous education is and staying up to date is one of the best practices that will improve your safety yeah the techniques that they're using overseas they will bring here and no matter where you stand on any political issue um there is still we have a huge potential for different types of activity to happen here in the united states and they're gonna mimic whatever works and this stuff has been around for a while right the the uh the, one of the, the 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 first ones to happen in this country was back in 97 outside of the atlanta Northside family planning center uh back in february of 1997 and they had a secondary device placed in the proximity of the primary explosion so the people came and they responded to an explosion not thinking anything of it what do you do you go to this to the spot where the the incident happened and then a secondary device goes off and they also planned this at the um boston bombing off the top of my head there was a yep. secondary device that was designed to go off people just happened to be going in a different direction so uh it didn't have the intended impact another episode uh, incident and we'll probably leave it here for this episode is um a puerto rican peace officer was reported to have been killed by a flashlight bomb rigged with an impro uh, improvised motion switch at a crime scene. So you can you can do a little YouTube and, and find, you know, dozens of examples of, of 
possibles. In fact, if I memory serves on that that uh, Atlanta one, it never really worked. No, I don't believe the Atlanta one uh, ever went off. I think they discovered it, but it was designed to, or there was a failure in the system. Yeah, I think it was in like a dumpster, and it was in the place because they called in multiple automatic alarms, and the rigs kept parking in the same spot. And for some reason, I remember the chief changed, and he wanted them to park in another spot. And it was only because he said change it that it didn't... It, I'm not going to say it went off, but it... It, it, because he did that, they saw something mm-hmm. that was different. And so, listen, it, it, think about this, guys. You should be uh, head on the swivel, as they say. They should have a head on the swivel. You know, the, uh, the, not that the Times Square bombing was a secondary device or the attempted Times Square bombing, but who saw, who saw that? It was the boots on the ground. It was your, your, your firefighter. It was your cop. It was not the terrorism center. It was not, you know, the, the chief of department. So it is, the, it is the guys on the ground who are going to be the eyes and the ears of, to protect the other guys.